to Pittsburgh. Look at this! Stuck out! The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! It's Wednesday, July 26, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station now in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesco. Chet, welcome back after a week off, and it's Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame night tonight, where we go through all our holdover nominees from last year and add five new nominees with voting beginning right after the show tonight. And going on for a week, we'll also announce the new class, our fourth Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame class on next week's show. On top of that, we have a special guest joining us tonight, Sandra Golden. Yeah, and even though she's a Braves and Falcons fan, Sandra's a great woman whom I got to know during my years at Wall Street Journal Radio. I'll tell you more about that and more about Sandra later on. But regarding our Hall of Famers, we have a lot of Philly legends in there already, and I'm looking forward to seeing who will be added to that list next week at this time. Well, let's get it going then uh, with our fourth annual Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame nominees. And check for our listeners, or just a reminder, let's do a quick review of our previous classes. There's 21 that have already been put in since we started this in 2014. Our first class was pretty much the obvious ones. We had Chuck Bednarik, Steve Van Buren, and Reggie White from the Eagles, Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton, and Rob Roberts from the Phillies, Wilt Chamberlain and Dr. J, Julius Irving from the 70s, Clark and Bernie Perron from the Flyers. 2015, we had five players to do the ballot and selected five for induction. The fans picked the top three by voting, and you and I picked one to make up the five. The class of 2015 as voted by the fans were Brian Dawkins, Richie Ashburn, and Bill Barber. Chet, you selected Smoking Joe Frazier, great choice, by the way, and I selected the Eagles' Pete Pihos. In 2016, mm-hmm. the fans selected Eric Lindros. Alan Iverson and Pete Rose, can't go wrong with those. You selected Charles Barkley, and I selected Hal Greer. That makes our first 21 members. So far, I think us and the fans had it right. What do you think? Yeah, well, that was 20 names right there that you mentioned. And uh, to be accurate, we do have 21 inductees because later in August last year, we added our first broadcaster inductee, the fantastic Harry Callis. Can't forget about Harry the K. But you know what? There's a lot of pretty amazing Philly athletes who we don't have in there just yet, so let's get to work on finding a few new additions. All right. Well, that brings us right to our 2017 ballot. I'll tell you, it's going to get tougher uh, as we read off this list. The fans can vote for their favorites, though. Uh, We will set up a link tonight at phillypressboxradio.com where you can go on and you can vote for a week. And next Wednesday, we'll shut it down. We'll be ready for our show on next Wednesday night to announce who the new five members will be. It's always been fun to do this, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, so, Chet, 
You will pick one. I will pick one, and the fans will vote for five, but the top three will be the three that are automatic, same as we've done each each of the years so far. All right, so here's the carryover list. We'll just run, run them down right quick so everybody knows, and then we'll go through them a little bit. Judy Arnold, Bob Boomer Brown, Jim Bunning, Billy Cunningham, Mark Howe, Moses Malone, Tommy McDonald, Brother McNabb, Brian Prop, and Chet Walker. All right, what do you think of that, Chet? That's a good list, a good list. We've added some names to that list as well to make things even more confusing for everybody, more challenging. All right, here you go. Here is the new five that we're adding this year. How about Dick Allen from the Phillies? Mo Cheeks from the Sixers, Tim Kerr, the scoring machine from the Flyers, Mike Quick from the Eagles, and we'll explain a little bit about that. That was kind of an interesting selection there, but Mike Quick and Jimmy Rollins. Ted, how do you like that list, and do you see a clear-cut five? It's a great list, and there's absolutely not a clear-cut five or even a clear-cut two or three. I think there's maybe one name that is, I think a sure shot. We'll get to that in a minute. Now, some of those guys and Judy Arnold are already in their respective sports halls of fame, so they are certainly all worthy of your consideration. There's a couple or three guys on that list uh, whom voters may decide didn't play long enough in Philly or, in the case of a certain shortstop, haven't been out of the game quite long enough just yet to be considered. We'll leave all that up to the voters, though, over the next week after we run down the nominees' attributes. And as you recall, we had some real surprisingly low votes uh, for a few of these guys last year, and that that really surprised us as we went through them. There was between the top uh, three or four vote-getters, and then it fell off drastically after that. And what surprised most of us, as you mentioned, I think the biggest surprise was that Moses Malone didn't make it on his first try. He was the first man out. Yeah, and that really did surprise me, especially because – he had passed away, I guess, the previous fall, and he was on a lot of people's minds. We know how great he was. So if I had to pick one favorite this year, that's the guy. It would be that very guy you mentioned, Moses Malone, who did leave us two years ago this fall. Yeah, well, I agree. But, you know, when you looked at the competition and you had Eric Lindros, Alan Iverson, and Pete Rose were the number one, two, and three vote-getters of the fans, and Malone was number four, uh, who are you going to knock out between uh, Lindros, Iverson, and Rose? Well, clearly none of them because Malone didn't make it, so maybe this year. <laughs> That's right. All right, so, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to give a quick little thumb down, the thumbnail rundown on each of these guys with an extra minute set aside or so for the five new nominees. So, Chet, you kick it off. You have Donovan McNabb. Yep, second overall pick in the 1999 draft by the Eagles, who had just hired a new coach by the name of Andy Reid a few months earlier. Donovan McNabb, as everybody knows, played 11 seasons with the Eagles, and despite not always getting a lot of love from the fans, he did have quite a career with the Birds. He's their greatest quarterback. We know that now. He took them to five NFC Championship games and that one Super Bowl, which didn't quite end the way we wanted it to. But his passer rating as an Eagle was a very respectable 86.5. His one loss record, a very impressive 92-49-1. He had 216 touchdowns and just 100 interceptions as an Eagle. 
As I said, he is the best birds quarterback of all time. And don't forget, number five will always love you, Bill. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, hey, I'm up next with Tim Bunning. Tim Bunning played for the Phillies for six seasons during two stints. His number 14 is retired. He won 19, 19, 19, and 17 games from two, from 1964 through 67, including a perfect game in 1964. Bunning also threw a no-hitter in the American League. At the time of his retirement, he stood second on the all-time strikeout list with 2,855. Bunning, who passed away recently, was a nine-time All-Star and was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1996. Jim Bunning. He was a good one. Next. Yeah, the Boomer, Bob Brown, a terrific offensive tackle for 10 years in the NFL, 1964 to 73, several all-pro selections. He played his first five years in the league as an Eagle. That was after being drafted second overall in 1964. Brown was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame back in 1993 and then the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2004. He was an imposing guy. Great player and you know, worthy of your consideration to the Philly Press Box Radio Sports Hall of Fame. Okay, Chet. Billy Cunningham, the kangaroo kid. Billy C. Nine seasons, yep, for the Sixers, including being a member of the 1966-67 World Champion team. He was the sixth man, by the way. He also made four of his five all-star teams as a Sixer for his career. Billy C. averaged 21.2 points per game, 10.4 rebounds per game, and 4.3 assists per game. Billy C. was also the head coach of the 82-83 World Champion Sixers. His number 32 has been retired by the Sixers as well. Cunningham was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 1986. That would be Billy Cunningham. Billy C. was one of my favorites, and so was his teammate Chet Walker, who's on our list. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Chet Walker is the guy who helped me get my nickname back in fourth grade because my last name was Chesco, so that helped. But also, I loved the Sixers when I was in fourth grade, and uh, Chet Walker was one of my favorite players, so a buddy of mine started calling me Chet, and there you have it. Anyway, Chet Walker, a very solid NBA player for 13 seasons, a year with the Syracuse Nats, who then moved to Philly, where he played six years as a Sixer before finishing his career with six more real good years with the Bulls. As a Sixers forward, though, he averaged 16.2 points and nearly eight rebounds per game. Very reliable guy, a 47% shooter and a strong defender as well. A seven-time NBA All-Star, which is pretty impressive, and a starting forward on that great world championship Sixers team of 1966-67. Chet the Jet Walker was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 2012. There you go, Chet the Jet. Yep, good player. And uh, didn't get much consideration last year. We'll see how he does this year. Certainly worthy. Yep. All right, Chet, next up for me, Tommy McDonald. McDonald is now on his fourth year as nominee of the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. He has not gotten enough momentum to uh, to get to the top, but Maybe this year. Tommy spent seven of his 12 NFL seasons as an Eagle, including five in a row as an All-Pro. He's a member of the 1960 World Champion Eagles, two times as an Eagle, and three times overall. McDonald had over 1,000 yards receiving, leading the league in 1961 with 1,144 yards. 
For Ziggle's career, Tommy caught 287 passes for 5,499 yards and 66 touchdowns. McDonald was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1998. And maybe now it's a play of Ray Dinger, Tommy and me, starting up again on August 3rd. That'll help uh, get a little more interest in Tommy McDonald this year. We shall see. Next up on our list, though, Judy Arnold. Yeah, Judy Arnold. If you are 55 or older, you'll remember just how popular roller derby was back in the 1960s and 70s. And Judy was pretty much the face of the game in that era. She skated primarily at that time with Philadelphia Warriors and Eastern Warriors, as they were known at one point. They would skate at the old Philly Arena and even at the Spectrum and draw huge crowds. Judy was a terrific skater and As you may recall, she was the stunt double for Raquel Welch in Kansas City Bomber. Judy is a Roller Derby Hall of Famer, and she's a two-time guest on our show, and she is absolutely a Philly sports legend. Pretty Judy Arnold. Very good. Next up for me, Bill Berkey. Number 66 was the cornerstone of the New Eagles that resulted in a trip to the Super Bowl under Dick Vermeil which turned out to be the last game of his career due to a knee injury suffered in 1979. Berkey played at five Pro Bowls, twice being named first-team All-Pro. During Bill's seven-year Eagles career, he played in 91 games, recorded 18 interceptions, and 15 fumble recoveries. Clearly the number two linebacker in the Eagles' history behind concrete Chuck Bednarik. Bill Berkey. All right, and we have two left, Bill. Uh, first of all, Mark Howe. I loved Mark Howe when he was a flyer back in the 1980s, one of the best two-way defensemen of his era. He was a three-time runner-up for the Norris Trophy. Hard to believe he never won it. He made the Stanley Cup Finals three times, never managed to get a cup either, unfortunately. He is a recent Hockey Hall of Famer. His NHL regular season numbers: 197 goals and 545 assists for 742 points, plus another 10 goals in the playoffs, the great Mark Howe. And, Bill, there's actually one more that almost fell off of our list of holdovers, but I caught him, Brian Propp. The Propper had a great 15-year NHL career, 10 and a half years with the Flyers. He is the Flyers' second all-time leading goal scorer with 369 behind only Bill Barber and second all-time in the assist category, 480 of those behind just Bobby Clark. He had four seasons of 40 or more goals, Loads of fun to watch skate, especially when he'd score and do that guffaw. A guy who went to the cup finals five times, including three times with the Flyers, but just like Mark Howe, unfortunately, no cups to show for it. Absolutely one of the greatest Flyers wingers of all time, and he gets extra consideration because, like Judy Arnold, he is a two-time visitor to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. There you go. Brian Propp. Yeah, and, and, you know, in the case of Mark Howe and Brian Propp both, even though Howe is a Hall of Famer, obviously that it's hard to be underrated and be a Hall of Famer. I think both of those yeah. guys are under the radar here at Philadelphia Sports. Yeah, you may be right. I mean, we remember all the great flyers from the 70s, uh, but, boy, those two guys, Brian Propp and Mark Howe, they were you know pretty much the guys on those teams for a good chunk of their stay here. And they were just so much fun to watch, so talented. Maybe one thing that hurt them was they made it look so easy. I don't know. Um, Like Mike Schmidt at one point, you know. People didn't realize how great he was because it didn't look like he was always giving 100%. But 
just so talented he made it look easy, and that's maybe the case with Mark Howe and, to an extent, Brian Propp. A couple of great players, both worthy of consideration for the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And I think uh, the, the one we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, a flyer also may fit in that category. His, his numbers were staggering for a period of time, but we'll get to that. But, hey, Jet, that brings yep. us to our, our new five um, editions. But before we continue with our Philly Press Box Radio Sports Hall of Fame discussion, let's hear your chat with Sandra Golden. First, how about you tell our listeners a bit more about Sandra and why an Atlanta radio host is on our Philly-centric show. Absolutely, Bill. Here's the deal. As you remember, I used to work for several years for the Wall Street Journal Radio Network out of Princeton. And for two of those years, 2011 to 2013, One of my duties was to do a couple of lengthy early morning hits, and by early I mean 5.15 and 5.45 a.m., with an Atlanta radio station, which happened to be a sports talk station, that wanted a little business news mixed in early in the day. So I got to do a little back and forth with Sandra every weekday morning and had a blast doing it. She was so much fun. We were very often venturing away from the business news to discuss sports, movies, whatever. And thanks to Facebook, we've stayed in touch. And with the Phillies hosting the Braves this weekend, I thought this would be a perfect time to have her on our show and talk a little baseball and ask her about the mood in Atlanta coming off that that, uh, disastrous second half of the Super Bowl here as training camp opens, plus various other topics, as you will hear. So you ready to hear from Sandra? Yeah, let's hear what she's got to say. It'd be kind of interesting because that Atlanta – very pleased to welcome to Philly Press Box Radio, my former long-distance early morning radio pal from Atlanta's Sports Radio 680, The Fan, currently a big part of the front row on that station every weekday, Sandra Golden. Sandra, how the heck are you? Oh, Jim, I miss you, and I was thinking those days that we would wake up at, goodness gracious, 3 in the morning. You were my first interaction with a male, so you are a very special <laughs> part of my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, let's, let, let's not go too much deeper into that. Now, you got to answer a lot of questions for me. And first of all, I'm not trying to be snarky, but Sandra, with training camp opening this week, have Atlanta fans gotten over that second half meltdown of the Super Bowl yet? No, we'll never get over it. Ever, never, ever, 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 <laughs> ever get over it. It's bad, Jim. And it's funny because we were just talking about the Matt Ryan interview with Pete Crisco, which is on CBS. He really finally, for the first time, comes out and says, well, Shanahan took a while to get that play in, and then it was too late. And while he's not throwing him under the bus, it's really kind of the first admission of, yeah, we probably should have just run the ball. But, oh, my God. You can go the what-if way. But, no, the answer is no, we'll never get over it. Ever! Yeah. As an Eagles fan, I could only imagine what it would be like up here in the Philadelphia area if something like that happened. But that's a whole nother thing. By the way, thanks for connecting me with your terrific radio co-host down there, Brian Finner, in the week before the Super Bowl for a little interview. What a great guy he is. He is such a sweetheart, Jim. And you know from doing this a long time, you know the guy in the locker room you go to that's always pleasant, always going to give you time but also give you something, you know, that you can take back and you're going to report on. And he's just a real good teammate every day. It's a pleasure to be around. He has four kids. You don't hear about what a great father he is, too. And he's a legend here. He's one of the Atlanta Falcon legends for a guy that was struggling to make. You guys, Villanova folks, know him up there of his just storied career at Villanova, but then really struggling every single year to try and make a roster. When you're in the NFL 12 years, you get an attaboy times about 100. And he started his career with the Eagles, too. I'm really glad 
that he dropped a ball. <laughs> he dropped a touchdown pass to the Eagles <laughs> in one of the early on games. And yes, he, he did. Got cut. So see how things work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do remember that play, too. Anyway, baseball. The Phillies and Braves have a series coming up this weekend. As you know, the Phillies are suffering through an awful season. Worst record in the majors and 0-3 in games I've attended. Yes, the Chesco jinx continues. While your Braves are doing a little, a little better than had generally been expected, are the Braves on the right path? The Braves are on a better path. Can I say it that way? Because yes. I think our expectations were set super low before the season began. And then, you know, before the All-Star break and right out of the All-Star break, as the Braves were able to sweep a series at home against the Diamondbacks, and then we Braves fans all sat back and were like, yes, we could be in the wild card. And then watched it kind of like, eh, it's really probably not going to happen. So, Jim, what I think is going to happen is you're, you're going to see them about to do the old sell-off now. I mean, instead of the buyers where maybe a piece or two could we get, even get in the wild card, they don't have the pitching to get there. But the future looks bright. But kind of as a fan, it's so hard to differentiate because I'm at the Braves games and we're wanting them to win and they're a fighting team. They led the majors and come from behind wins. I believe it was at 15. And the reality is they don't have the starting pitcher. So we are what we thought we were. But again, <laughs> you know, better than the Phillies. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. By the way, how's the new stadium, SunTrust Park? Oh, Jim, you have to come down. In fact, everybody listening up in the Northeast, this is something special. And if you were ever here before, you know that Turner Field was kind of in the middle of nowhere and not the safest area. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is – there's a whole community of restaurants – eat, work, play, live kind of community. And, oh, yeah, there's this brand-new, bright and shiny, beautiful ballpark. It's much more intimate and stacked than the other, so you're much closer to the game. And it is beautiful. It's a, Listen, hitter's ballpark, too. Balls are flying out of here. Unfortunately, a lot of time it's for the other team. So that's, that's actually not good. <laughs> well, I hope to get down there. Hey, you grew up in Florida, went to FSU, if I remember. And though I'm somewhat hesitant yes. to ask, I wonder, what is your perception of Philadelphia sports fans? Be kind. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, let me just preface it by saying this. I work with a Philadelphia guy. John Kincaid. John Kincaid. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a big sweetheart until the microphone comes on. So it's like this, he has to keep up this image of, I'm going to be that Philadelphia sports guy, you know. So I don't think that they have the best reputation. You know, the Cubbies just came into town and we were all talking about the Chicago Cubs fans are generally like really sweet and wonderful people. And we don't have that same thing when the Northeastern guys come down in terms of Philadelphia and New York. But I will preface this by saying, my ex-husband is from Philadelphia, so really? you're not getting a real fair view here. My yeah. <laughs> I'm I not going to have that. a lot of good things to say. It didn't end well, Jim. That's all I'm going to say. Well we'll, well, we'll stop there with that. And another thing I didn't know until very recently, you were mentored by longtime Fox Sports reporter Pam Oliver. What did you learn from Pam? Pam is the greatest. I have known her a long, long time. She was a couple of grades ahead of me, but also was in Tallahassee as she went to FAMU. And I was at FSU, but a lot of the journalism classes that you take, you go back and forth between the two schools because they're right down the street. And I just always watched her, and she was amazing. Now, having said that, she was the main anchor, and I was the reporter when Fox Sports had the regional networks. Do you remember that, the regional sports network? I do, yes. Okay, so she was really in the office, and I was really hands-on and one-on-one. But just she's always a pro, always. And what I mean by that is how she dresses how she treats people from the janitor to the president of the team. 
She treats everybody the same. She's always overly prepared. She never crossed the line with athletes in terms of the dating and the romance. There is not a scandal with her. And she's an excellent writer, which I probably should have said first. Like, she's just a great writer and reports, and uh, there's no BS. I always tell her I really want to be like her when I grow up. Just a lovely, lovely human. Uh, She's one of my favorite people on earth. Awesome. Hey, I see that you recently crossed an item off your sports bucket list when you attended the Stanley Cup Finals game in Nashville. Was it awesome? It's beyond awesome. The word awesome doesn't do it justice. Now, I had covered the Predators, Jim, when we were Fox Sports South. You know, we do everything out of Atlanta here. So we got the Predators, we got the Hurricanes. So I kind of grew up with them. I hosted their pregame show. I knew them when is one of those, when they were terrible. But that playoff, every game's exciting. But to, stand, to be at a Stanley Cup final game with the crowd that started at 10 a.m. along the streets of Broadway, anybody who's been to Nashville, you know where Bridgestone is. It's uh, surrounded by a street named Broadway. They shut it down for two days, and the greatest fans on earth, it was, I literally began to cry when I was in the stands. And I know that sounds stupid because I'm around it all the time, but I was so caught up with emotion of memories, and I just love hockey so much, and it was just once in a lifetime. So the answer is yes with two exclamation points. Cool. I have a lengthy sports bucket list going to Canton, Cooperstown, Lambeau Field that I really need to get working on. So, uh, yeah, I, I will. I, where, I yeah, those places. Where's the coolest place you've been? Wow. I would have to think about that. It was great seeing you down in Atlanta at Turner Field, of course. That was a thrill. <laughs> That couldn't have been that great. It was was nice. It was nice. I'll get back to you on that. Hey, in our nearly two years working together, albeit some 830 miles apart, we often talk about movies and music and other pop culture stuff. So I got to ask, did you get to see the flick Baby Driver, which was set and filmed in Atlanta? I have not seen it, but we're going to go see it this weekend. And, yeah, it's getting a ton of pop. Isn't that exciting? Did you see it? I did. I loved it. One of my favorite movies of the year, so I hope you like it. And I saw The Big Stick, which we talked about on Facebook. Yeah. Did you love it? Because you I went did. to see it for me. Very good movie. And, yeah, I like The Big Sick. And I can't believe that you were a fan of those Despicable Me movies also. Oh, I love the Despicable <laughs> Me. Those, those uh, minions, I want to be a minion. I think I might be a minion, actually. I love that. <laughs> love it. Okay. Hey, we have about two minutes left. We do something sometimes with our guests called Fast Five. So let's give that a shot. Five quick questions, brief answers. You can handle this. You ready? Oh, dear, I'm nervous. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Number one, Sandra Golden. Is it true that it took you a couple of years to get over your city losing its hockey team, the Atlanta Thrashers? I'm not over it yet. (laughs) Number two, Brian Finneran speaking about you once said, it's almost annoying how happy she is in the morning. Heck, you always sounded wide awake and happy when you and I used to talk in the 5 a.m. hour. So for crying out loud, Sandra, what is your secret? I I think I had a really good mom and dad that were always living on the sunny side of the street. And certainly we all have our down moments, but I try real hard to get up in the morning and be grateful and thank God for everything I have. And listen, it ain't so bad. That's what I always say. It's not so bad. There you go. I think I know this answer, but let's find out for sure. Who is your all-time favorite Atlanta Brave? Oh, Chipper Jones. I knew it. I knew it. Tougher one. Tell me a, <laughs> tell me a Philadelphia athlete, current or not, that you admire. That, there's got to be one or two. Oh, gosh, that's a good one. It's probably right front and center. Uh, Donovan McNabb. Wow. Not the answer I would have expected. I met him years ago when he was doing that Campbell's Chunky Soup campaign. (laughs) Yes. And he and his mother could not have been more lovely. So I thought that was great. I'm probably going to think of somebody else after the fact. But that's just off the top of mind. Donovan McNabb. All right. True or false, This Is Us is the best show on television these days. 
times one million. Yes. <laughs> Obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. It's a girl show, though, so I don't know that guys, I tried to get my boyfriend to watch it, and he's like, that ain't happening. So I love it. Yes. Well, I have a soft side, and it's one of my favorites as well. I do love it. Isn't it so good? It is. It's oh, great. My God, it's, it's great. Good. And one more for you. A big hit, Sandra, at Atlanta's SunTrust Park this season is the Freeze. How big a head start would you need to beat the Freeze in one of those warning track races? An hour and a half. <laughs> An hour. You know, they're only giving people five seconds. There's no way at all I could beat him unless you gave me a minute head start. I'm not even kidding. I it, got it, you. That he's that fast. <laughs> With all our guests on Philly Press Box Radio, we always say what a pleasure it was, et cetera, and it is always appreciated, but sometimes it's, well, more true than others, and this is certainly one of those occasions. Thanks a bunch, Sandra, and if you guys need a movie, music, or TV critic, keep me in mind. Oh, you're the best, Jim. I miss you on the days, and hi to Philadelphia. I love your city. Every time I've come there, I had a really nice time. Awesome. Sandra Golden, thanks for joining us here on Philly Press Box Radio. Thanks, Jim. Good stuff, Chad. Sandra Sandra made a couple comments about the stadium down there, Suntro Stadium, I think it's interesting. I don't know that I'm going to for sure pull this off, but I may be at a Braves-Marlins game next weekend on my way south. We'll see if we pull that off or not. I checked out some pictures of SunTrust Park. It does look very nice, so I, I would definitely want to get down there and check it out. Well, my son, my son was there. He lives in Atlanta. Him and the, and his buddy and I was talking with him about it uh, last weekend on my way through, and they said it's very different. That the stadium itself, the ballpark itself, is very plain, but it's all around the area is, as she said, restaurants and bars and things like that, where people go spend the day at the par- at the bars and restaurants, and never even go in the game, but it's all part of the stadium yeah. area. I think they call laid it the, the battery area. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks interesting. I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, I yep. should mention, and, uh, in addition I, to in addition to her uh, radio duty, Sandra is also the president of the National Sarcasm Society. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did uh, I did like her comment, and and even though it's fresh because it was just last season about how long will it take to get over the Super Bowl, and the answer was never, and we certainly can appreciate that. Oh, could you imagine if that happened to the Eagles after, you know, having never won a Super Bowl and waiting 51 years? To, if if that would have happened here, people would have been jumping off the Ben Franklin Bridge. You're not kidding. Well, hey, Mr. Chesco, let's talk about what's going on at the Irish Rover Space House. You got it, Bill. The Irish Rover Station House, you know I love that place over in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. And some big news from the Rover this week. Starting Monday, the Irish Rover will offer a slew of new menu items. Tasty new items include a farmer's salad, a turkey burger, gamer's flatbread, and broiled flounder. Plus, the Rover has a new express lunch menu designed to get you in and out in 30 minutes. All express lunch items are just $7. You can add a draft beer for 2 bucks. Oh, be sure to vote for the Irish Rover in Philly Magazine's Battle of the Burger Contest. I know from experience the Rover makes a great burger, among other things. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Just wanted to take this opportunity, Bill, to wish you a Merry Christmas. 
Christmas in July, Bill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, you know. Well, hey, and, and nobody appreciates Christmas anymore to me. And I, I accept uh, my first Christmas, which is from 2017. Thank you, sir. <laughs> there you go. Happy Christmas <laughs> in July. There you go. Hey, well, let's get back to our five new nominees, Jet. In alphabetical order, we'll go. And since you have three this year, and I only have two since opposite last year, you were up, my friend, with Dick Allen. And that's only fitting because he was one of my favorites. How was Dick Allen not on our ballot previously? That's what I want to know. For that matter, how is he not in baseball's Hall of Fame already? We have discussed Dick Allen a few times already in our three and a half years of doing our show. And that's not a surprise. Allen was one of baseball's greatest sluggers in the 1960s and 70s, building 351 homers over the course of his 15-year career, which included two stints and nine seasons in Philadelphia. As a Phil, he hit 204 career home runs, the majority of them, no doubt about it, bombs off that 40 or 42-ounce bat. For his career, Allen was a 292 hitter, which is pretty impressive for a power hitter, especially considering he had to regularly face guys like Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson during the first part of his career, plus guys like Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, and Juan Marichal. Dick Allen was the 1964 Rookie of the Year, and he made the All-Star team three times as a Philly and seven times overall. Um, during that terrific 1972 season, Dick Allen was just, you know, amazing. He should be in Baseball Hall of Fame. Let's see if the Golden Era Committee gets it right next year. And he certainly deserves consideration for our Philly Press Box Radio, Philly Sports Hall. We will see. Going to be interesting. All right, Chet, next Mo up Cheeks. is Mo, Mo Cheeks. Cheeks was a point guard that directed the offense for 11 Sixer seasons from 1978 through the middle of the 1989 season, including leading the 82-83 world champions. As a Sixer, Mo averaged 12.2 points per game, 7.3 assists per game, a four-time Sixer All-Star, a five-time All-Defensive Team player, and interestingly enough, Chet, very well thought of by the fans of Philadelphia. So, um, even was in the discussion with the younger people about him being a better player than that Hal Greer, but uh, they never saw Greer. Anyway, that's Bo Cheeks. We'll see how he fares. And how about this guy? We alluded to him earlier. Tim Kerr, one of my favorite flyers back in the 1980s. What a dangerous guy in front of the net. A scoring machine for several of his 11 seasons as a flyer, 1980 through 91. In 601 games with the Orange and Black, Kerr scored 363 goals and added 287 assists, totaling 650 points, or about 1.1 points per game. Tim Kerr is the Flyers' third all-time leader in goals, sixth in points. Still today, he is the runaway franchise leader with 145 power play goals. Bill Barber, distant second with 104. Tim Kerr was a five-time All-Star and a beast if you ask any goalie or defenseman who played against him in the 1980s. Please give Tim Kerr lots of consideration for the Philly Press Box Philly Sports Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Again, another one of those guys under the radar. We'll, we'll see how he fares. Great player. Absolutely. All right, next up, Mike Quick. Quick played all 11 of his seasons for the Eagles, earning five Pro Bowl trips. Only six Eagles have gone to more Pro Bowls as Quick has, 
And they're all on our list, Chet, already, except for one, and that's Jason Peters, who is still playing. Three times he gained over 1,000 yards receiving, including a league-leading 1,409 in 1983. For his Eagles career, Quick had 363 receptions for 6,464 yards and 61 touchdowns, including an NFL record 99-yarder. You know, Chet, uh, as we were putting this together, you certainly want to think about Harold Carmichael, but when you look at the numbers, the Pro Bowls and all the stats, it's Mike Quick who holds all the numbers and not Harold Carmichael. Well, we could debate that for a while because you know this as well as I do, Bill. The 70s was a little bit different game than it was when Quick played. They didn't throw the ball quite as much, which is why some of the receivers back in the 70s didn't have the numbers of their uh, you know, guys who followed them. But that, that's a whole other debate. Let's get to our uh, final new candidate for Hall of Fame consideration. That would be Jimmy Rollins. And this is J-Roll's first year out of baseball after a terrific career, the majority of which, of course, was spent with the Phillies. I'm pretty sure you know that Rollins is the franchise's all-time hits leader. He was also the National League MVP in 2004, a three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, a career 267 hitter as a Philly, and, of course, a key member of the Phil's 2008 World Championship team. Here's the most shocking thing that I discovered in looking at Rollins' career numbers. He actually hit 231 home runs, including 216 as a Philly, which puts him ninth on the club's all-time list, one spot ahead of Dick Allen. I swear, I know he played longer, but still, that ain't bad. We all know J-Roll. We all know what J-Roll meant to the Phillies' golden era, so... Although he hasn't been gone all that long, Jimmy Rollins is certainly someone we need to consider for our hall. Absolutely. So that puts us with 15 nominees, Chet. As we said, the voting starts tonight. The fans can vote for five. We'll select the first top three vote-getters. You'll pick one. I'll pick one. And I can tell you this, Chet, right now, this is the first year that I look at this list and I don't have my five. You know, usually I got five that I feel pretty comfortable with, maybe six or seven on the outside. I don't have it this time. Yeah, nor do I. Although, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it, like who the top five should be or if I had the vote, who my top five would be. All I said, uh, as I said earlier, was that Moses Malone, I think, is going to get in this year. Just a hunch. I could be wrong. I just feel there's a little uh, momentum for Moses for some reason. We'll see. Maybe because of all the Sixers optimism right now, you know. But we'll see. A couple of guys I'm not real sure about, but that's just between me and, uh, you know, my my brain working. Um, We'll leave it up to the fans. And then, as you said, you will add one and I will add one. More interesting, I think, as we go now, you know, as we had all these guys that were Hall of Famers, you know, those are those are pretty easy, just kind of having to sort through what Hall of Famer you like the most. But now when you start adding yeah. guys like Allen, Allen and Rollins and Kerr and, and Quick, um, you know, now you're adding non-Hall of Famers from each franchise uh, to, to go mix in with some others, and it really makes it uh, a lot tougher, I think. Yeah, it does. And there's still a lot of guys we could, you know, consider adding down the road. I mean, all the great Phillies guys who just recently retired, like Ryan Howard, you know, he's going to be on our list in the next year or two. Um, Chase Utley, when he retires, I think he's going to get a lot of consideration. Um, We never uh, put Randall Cunningham on the battle, I don't think. Randall would probably get a lot of support. So 
a lot of guys to add in the future years to, uh, you know, keep everybody guessing and wondering who should be in there. So uh, lots to play with over the years ahead. Yes, sir. Hey, Ch- uh, Chet, I wanted to throw out why we have one free minute between uh, before we talk Eagles. I understand that uh, our one of our recent guests, that Bill Barber, uh, Billy Barber just had an emergency open heart surgery, Chet, and uh, he is on his road to recovery, apparently doing pretty well, but uh, kind of out of the blue, Bill Barber ends up with open heart surgery, so we want to wish him all the best. Wow, I didn't even see that, but yes, yeah, certainly the best to Billy Barber. He was a great guest on our show a month or two back, and uh, right before we went on the air, we saw that Darren Dalton is apparently not doing real well right now. He's having a little a bit of a setback with the, the, the brain cancer problem, which they thought was pretty well cleared up a year or two ago. Uh, apparently, he's got some issues. Again, we don't have the details, but uh, it was confirmed by one of his uh, publicists that, yeah, he is having some issues right now. So we certainly wish Darren Dalton, Dutch, the very best of luck. Yep, tough, tough recovery, tough road. Well, hey, Ted, Eagles camp is open. Uh, they'll be playing preseason football in just a few weeks. You excited to see what Doug Peterson puts on the field August 10th at Green Bay? And funny, they made a couple moves already today. Your man, Marcus Smith, gone for one. Well, I think we all saw that coming, so that's not a real shock. And then they also traded Alan Barber to Denver for a conditional sixth or seventh-round pick. It was kind of weird how that broke because first the, the news came out that they were cutting him, and then they said, well, hold on, no, we actually traded him to Denver for a conditional low-round pick. So either way, Barber's gone. And, you know, I'm not crazy about that because um, he provided some good depth last year. He actually started, I think, like a dozen games or maybe 13. He played a lot last year because they were banged up on the O-line. So he provided some depth, but I guess they feel they have enough enough depth now. They just re-signed with Newski to uh, an extension. So uh, I, I guess they're confident that they have enough depth. They didn't need Barber. But uh, as for Marcus Smith, as I said, we saw that coming, and – it's not his fault that he was a first-round pick, number 26 overall. Blame Howie or Chip or whoever made that final call. I think Howie did take responsibility. But, I mean, the guy certainly just never played up to those kind of lofty expectations. Uh, he wasn't a number 26 pick in reality. We know that. He was more like a second- or third-round pick, and that's more what he played. He only had, what, six or six-and-a-half sacks in his three years with the Eagles. He did a two-and-a-half or was it three and a half last year? I don't know. But uh, yep. I, I'm not sorry to see him go. And to be honest, I hope he catches on somewhere else and, you know, can have a decent NFL career. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm glad he's gone. He brought he brought them nothing. So, uh, you know, for some reason he seemed to get a, a little more playing time as it went. But, but he's gone, and, and I'm okay with it. I'll tell you what, though, Chet, I, I've been thinking about this as getting ready for the show, and, and you know I'm not a big uh, camp guy, preseason uh, game guy at all. But this year I think I, I have a little bit different feeling. I think they have some great competition that's going to take place, and it, it may not be what we see in games. It's what's going to happen on that practice field. Uh, I, I'm anxious to see the running back situation. Corey Clement, uh, I think, it, and Donnell Pumphrey both were outstanding uh, college backs. You know, Pumphrey's only five foot eight, hundred and seventy-six pounds. 
So I don't know that he fits in with the guys that they already have, but they're going to have, I think they're going to have some great competition at the wide receiver spot. The offensive line, I was thinking they were going to have great competition. That's why I was a little surprised with the move today. And, of course, the cornerback situation we know uh, is a work in progress. So I think there's a lot to be seen this season, the preseason, that we haven't seen in the past. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be fun to see how all the competition works out. Um, I wrote a piece last night also about the competition among the cornerbacks because that's a real area of concern for the Birds. Um, they weren't good last year, and they lost a couple of guys in McKelvin and Nolan Carroll. So although they weren't great, they did provide some depth and some experience. Now, I mean, they got just a bunch of young guys at corner in addition to uh, the one guy they signed. And, boy, that's going to be something that we're going to closely watch. I know preseason games don't matter all that much in terms of the results or even some of the plays, but I want to see how these cornerbacks take the field and what they do in the games at the very least because that is my and a lot of people's number one concern heading into the season is what's going to happen at cornerback. Well, I, I think that's certainly the key to the defense, but, but I think I'm, you know, I'm a defensive guy from the start, but I'm, I'm more interested to see what happens on the offensive side this year. They brought in a lot of guys. That I think they plan on scoring a lot of points, uh, which will help the defense. It's not going to win playoff games normally because, as we know, the longer the defense or the, the playoffs go, the defense wins the championships. That hasn't changed. But I think the offense has got some weapons. And uh, I'm kind of interested in this offensive line play. Uh, you know, what? where did Big V go? You know, he played pretty well, and then he got hurt, and, and we haven't really heard anything about him. And then today I thought it was interesting here we're only in the third day of camp, and, when they cut Barbary, they they already named Isaac Zamulo as the starter, and uh, to me that doesn't create competition. Why not just let them battle it out? Yeah, that is surprising that you name a starter uh, before you even play a preseason game, especially with a guy who doesn't have that much experience himself. I would not announce anything like that, but hey, whatever. Um, things could change between now and September. Um, as you said, a lot of competition among the receivers as well. And we were worried about the uh, running back situation last spring because they didn't have a whole lot of bodies. Now all of a sudden with, um, you know, Pumphrey and uh, LeGarrette Blunt and Clement, they got a lot of guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they divide the playing time right there, even if, you know, Clement makes the team for one thing. Um, but I, I want to see what they do with Pumphrey. I want to see how much Sproles has left in the tank. Wendell Smallwood um, is going to get a lot of touches as well. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in addition to the wide receivers. Yeah, I, I see all five of them making the team somewhere. I mean, they may be practice squad guys, uh, you know, one of the Clement or Pumphrey or something, however that sorts itself out. But I see all five of them yep. guys being here in the end. Oh, I do too, barring so, a, a trade that we wouldn't see coming. Uh, I think they'll all be here. Well, speaking of trades, Chet, the trade deadline is fast approaching for the Fightins. Last year on this birdie show, we talked about the Phillies moving Jeremy Hellickson, Carlos Ruiz, Peter Borges, Cody Ashey, and Jen Margopez. Well, every one of them has gone except Hellickson, Chet, and this team is worse than it was last year. What do you see happening over the next few days? 
Well, first of all, you got me all misty-eyed when you mentioned the names Peter Borges and Cody Ashey. I'm a little uh, misty-eyed here. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we talked about the Phils who might get moved on our show two weeks ago, and although we're now just five days away from the non-waiver trade deadline as we speak, not one Phil has gone just yet. We've heard lots of talk about all-star Pat Neshek getting moved, and I'm still confident that will happen. But there hasn't been a whole lot of buzz otherwise. I mean, we've heard some chatter about Tommy Joseph. We hear Hellickson's name mentioned again this year, as you noted, but not a whole lot else. I will stick with my original prediction, though, the one I made a couple of weeks back, that at least two current Phillies will be gone by August 1st, Neshek and one other one. And, hey, just wondering, with so much optimism about Scott Kingery, do you think there's a chance the Phillies would listen to offers for Cesar Hernandez? Oh, absolutely. I think if Hernandez and I also think Galvis. Uh, I don't know how you you fill the Galvis gap right this minute with the way Crawford is playing. He has gotten a little bit uh, hotter here since the break, but uh, I think Galvis might actually bring something to to a contender because he can play great defense and he's not as bad at the offensive side as he used to be, and he does hit with a little pop now from time to time. Uh, he may bring them something. You know what? I think Freddie stays. I think they look to him as a leader. He is the longest tenured Philly now, believe it or not. And I think he's matured and has really played well. I think he's probably even growing on you a little bit, Bill. Admit it. Um, I like Freddie. I want well, to hear. He is growing on. He is growing on me, and it's because of the leadership portion. But if uh, if I got an offer for him, I'd move him. If he's, a, he's not the future. Um, you know, if I could get something worthwhile, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just cut him loose. But uh, we'll see. I do want to bring up to you again, Chet, since he's in the news again today. What about that Odubel Herrera? I had a hunch we were going there. Um, yeah, he's he seems to be in some kind of a little trouble every week or two with uh, you know the manager or teammates or fans or whatever. Most recently in the Tuesday night game, of course, he thought he hit a home run, so he did the bat flip. Turned out to be just a long fly ball to deep center field. Um, Astros had a little fun at his expense with that. Then later in the sixth inning, he strikes out, doesn't realize the catcher dropped the ball, um, didn't bother to run to first, so he, of course, got tagged out. And not coincidentally, Pete decided that was enough for the night for Odubel. So he was out of the game at that point and not in the starting lineup this evening as we're watching the game here on Wednesday. So, yeah, the guy still just doesn't always get it about playing hard all the time. Um, he's still got some maturing to do. Now, conversely, he's been on a tear hitting. Other than the Tuesday night game when he went hitless, he's been great since, I looked it up, since June 21st, he's hitting, or since June 1st, he's hitting 321. And for all of July to this point, he's hitting 348. So the guy can hit. He's got his average up over 270 now, and he was down, you know, 220 a few months ago. So the guy can hit. He's just got to get it together mentally and stay focused. Well, and, and how long have I been saying he's the only one of the only guys on that roster that can hit big league pitching? And his average, as you mentioned, has been climbing. And, I, you know, I don't know what you do with a knucklehead. He's a knucklehead. But, uh <laughs> You know, you try to get his attention by cutting his playing time, but in the meantime, you're taking your best hitter out of the lineup, and uh, you know, you, you either have to figure out how what the plan is to straighten him out, or cut him loose, make a move, and uh, I bet you there's a, there's a chance that somebody would take him on the way he can hit. 
I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's some discussions about him. I'm sure the uh, Matt Clantock and company are getting a few calls just to see, you know, what it would take to get Odubel Herrera. And coincidentally, Herrera not in the line tonight. Aaron Altier is back because uh, he recovered from his little problem sooner than expected. So Altier in center field on this Wednesday night. Well, we'll uh, we'll see. When we talk next week, we might have a different bunch that we're looking at again. And by the way, great to see Nick Williams continuing to hit. He's been a real pleasant surprise since coming up. So uh, keep it going, Nick Williams, and keep it going, Aaron Nola, who's on the mound as we speak. Well, it, it is funny that you mentioned Nick Williams because he is doing doing really well here in the first go round the league. And I was going to mention before the uh, Odubel Odubel deal last night that uh, it was funny how Altair all of a sudden started getting better a lot quicker when Nick Williams started tearing the cover off the ball first time around yeah funny how those things work sometimes <laughs> yes it is well hey Jake, you know i'll be making my annual trek to the national memorabilia show tomorrow for the weekend it's uh back in chicago this year as a big held in atlantic city last year i'll be helping out my good buddy chip brady of 118 sports in the collector's clubhouse and it's always a great time and i have my eye on a couple autographs this week too i got to be honest, Bill, I haven't seen the list of attendees for the Chicago show, so give us a little preview. Other than you and Chip, what other big shots will be there, and what autographs are you uh, targeting? Well, how about a guy that uh, is not Philly-related in any way, but has, to my knowledge, never done a public appearance, and that would be that Lance hmm. Armstrong is going to be there. Wow. So Interesting. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. And, uh, you know, whatever anybody wants to say about all the dirty things about Lance Armstrong, and, you know, they all cheated in that sport, I guess. But uh, Lance Armstrong has probably done more with his live strong whole thing than uh, nearly anybody on the planet. So uh, I am going to look. I, I managed to get a really cool, brand spanking new Nike um, poster. That is really cool, and uh, I'm going to get that signed. That's my plan. And my nice. second one, Chet, how about that Oscar Robertson? The big O will be in the house. Wow. He was a great one. I mean, he, you and I are about the same age, and so we remember the big O from our youth when he was you know, certainly one of the best players in the game in the mid and late 60s. Uh, great guy, the big O. One of the, uh, one of, certainly one of the greatest players of all time, so – I'm looking forward to that. I, I hope to get him. I'm definitely getting Armstrong. Uh, that, that's for sure. And uh, hoping to get a big old basketball. That's that's my plan. Have fun. All right. Well, hey, again, want to thank uh, each and every one of our visitors to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. We continue to keep it updated with articles from the local papers and a few we write. And Chad, a great one by you on the defensive backs uh, yesterday. You can listen to all of our shows and also the videos from our show guests and the list of the websites of our guests. And check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their websites. And check uh, Yeah, lots of great stuff on there. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, we'll be announcing our Hall of Fame class next week. We have any guests lined up for next week that you just maybe didn't tell me about? 
I did. I kept it a secret. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, in fact, we have a couple of pretty cool guests and topics for you for next week. Since we'll be unveiling our new additions to the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame, I thought we should talk to a guy who was a big reason that the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame was created, longtime Philly Inquirer columnist Frank Fitzpatrick. We'll tell you exactly how a column by Frank is what put things in motion for the Philly Sports Hall. Frank is always a great guest anyway. Also on next week's show, for the first time ever, We'll be talking a little fantasy football. You'll get some advice about running a league, preparing for your fantasy draft, maybe get a few sleeper picks, etc., from our pal Fred, Hug- uh, Fred Hugo, who's apparently something of an expert on fantasy football. So, Frank Fitzpatrick and Fred Hugo, that'll be a fun show and something a bit different for us. Very good. Looking forward to it. Both, uh, both always on top of the game. And uh, I even have a, a little uh, something to share with Frank. That'd be good. Looking forward to it. Didn't, didn't know about either one of them. You're on top of it, Mr. Chesco. <laughs> Thank you. All right, sir. How about a parting shot from you tonight? I'm sure you probably have one. Of course. I just took my son down to Rowan University in South Jersey for two days of freshman orientation. Brian is a great kid who has dabbled in sports, Little League Baseball, Little Lads Basketball, then in high school, soccer, and track and field. He's never had any real interest in playing football, and in some ways, I'm kind of glad, especially in light of the very latest study that revealed a whopping 99% of the brains of deceased former NFL players donated for research showed signs of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE. Yes, there was some obvious bias with this study. Former players and their family members who donated brains for research had likely noticed symptoms while the ex-players were still alive. Still, the results indicate a need for urgency at all levels of football, about preventing concussions and devastating hits in general that could lead to head trauma. I love watching football on fall weekends, and I admit it. It's pretty exciting watching some of those big hits, too. But these statistics are scary, and i got to be honest. Despite my love of the sport, had my son wanted to play football in high school, I almost certainly would have done my best to try to talk him out of it. Hmm. Interesting. We'll have to talk some more about that at a later time when we have a little more time. And, Jed, hey, my point got is, is just a quick one. I want to just give a shout-out. As you know, I spent the last week up in Lake Placid, New York, uh, watching my son Mike participate in the Ironman Lake Placid 140.6. It's uh, a great event, and Mike did great. He finished well, and uh, Lake Placid is a really cool town that we'll talk about a little bit more on another show, but Shout out to Mike. He is a four-time Ironman. I saw the pictures. And that the, looked great, man. You look great. It is. It is. And we'll, we'll talk a little more about that when we have some time. Maybe we'll get Mike to join us one night just to tell us how grueling that all is. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Mike, with that, we've reached the top of the hour, and we'd like to thank our special guest, Sandra Golden. Irish Rover Station House and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 2nd at 7 p.m. when we announce our fourth annual Philly Press Box Hall of Fame class of 2017. We'll have Frank Fitzpatrick and Fred Hugo joining us as well. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Mixcloud. 
High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Uh-huh. 